Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, if, you, if you're visiting with us, you find us in a topical series on assurance. Um, we've talked about the assurance of salvation, the assurance of forgiveness, the assurance of answered prayer, of victory over sin. And today, Lord willing, we're talking about the assurance of guidance from the Lord. Uh, and then in two weeks, we're going to be finishing our series with assurance of heaven. Uh, this next Sunday, a man named Patrick Curls, who is the executive pastor at Trinity Church in Montgomery, uh, one of the most able uh, Bible teachers I've ever met, will be with us to bring God's Word. Um, and so I, I do hope you'll be here for that. Um, but we are in Proverbs chapter 3 this morning as we look at the promise of God's guidance. That he promises to guide us and to be with us every step of the way. But before we read, let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, that it is true. There's not a, a jot or tittle that is out of place. Every bit of it is inspired by You as Your Word. We pray, Lord, that You would send Your Spirit and help us and give us insight into it, that we might understand, grant anointing to the hearer and to the preacher alike. It's in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. We're going to read Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. There will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom He loves, and as a father, the son in whom He delights. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. When you come to a text to study, to preach, or to teach, one of the really good questions to ask is why was this text written? What issue, what point of tension uh, led the Holy Spirit to include it in the Word of God? Sometimes that's easier to find out than others. But we call that the FCF, the fallen condition focus. What is it that this text, this issue, this this, um, topic is seeking to address? What need is it? in our lives, that needs to be informed by this text or this topic. Let me give you some for instances. So when we were talking about the assurance of salvation, the fallen condition focus, the topic that needed to be addressed was that we often struggle with believing and knowing that we are saved or not. With the assurance of forgiveness, we often struggle with false guilt. We need the assurance that Christ has forgiven us. There's that tension that needs to be addressed. Or our assurance of victory over sin. 
Sometimes we have areas of our life where we have not experienced that victory. There's that tension that we need to address. We're answered prayer. The problem is that sometimes we don't believe that God answers our prayers. As we come to our topic this morning, assurance of guidance, what is it that we need to address this morning? Why is it worthy of our time together as we think about what God says about it? I think we can say that there are two points of tension. And you'll see in your outline that these are Roman numerals 1 and 2 to guide us. The first is that we fear that God is going to forsake us. When we think about guidance, so much of our anxiety and fear comes not so much not knowing what to do, but I think we believe that God's going to leave us hanging out to dry. That He's going to stop leading us. That He's going to leave us and forsake us. That He's not going to go with us into that situation. Even though He's done it time and time again over every area of our lives, over every season of our lives, He's never forsaken us. He's never left us just even once. Oftentimes we fear that God's not going to be with us as we move forward. The second issue that we need to address this morning is that we need help. We need help when it comes to areas of guidance. So often when we lean on our own understanding, our our own understanding is faulty. And we need God's help for every area of our lives. These are the two points of tension we'll be dealing with this morning. The first is this idea that God will not forsake us. Will not forsake us. I think for some, this is a, a harder struggle than for others, perhaps because of things in your past. Or where loved ones, people you trusted, have forsaken you. Now, everybody's going to let you down at some point. I don't mean that. But significant issues where someone that you knew or thought or should have been able to trust um, has let you down. And a lot of times that will impact how we view God's promise never to leave us and never to forsake us. So much of what we call our need of guidance is really to have somebody with us. That comfort of knowing that we are not alone. There's somebody walking with us every step of the way. When I was, I've spoken long, uh, many times of the long haul in my childhood home that was about six feet long, but it seemed a lot longer back then. And don't you know that when I was sent to the back of the house to get something, I ran. Why? Because I thought I was alone and I was afraid. Do you believe this morning that God is going to be there for you and help you in time of need? Or do you secretly, deep down, wonder if God is going to leave you hanging? As you face illness of your own, a friend, or a spouse, a mother, a father, a child, deal with relational issues in your home or at work, or even perhaps the death of a loved one. Do you feel like God's going to leave you alone? That He's going to leave you? This is ultimately what led the Israelites um, to fail when they faced the promised land, right? You remember when God brought them out of Egypt? He he brought them uh, through Sinai and He gave them the law and then He brought them to the edge of the promised land and they sent the twelve spies in and all but two came back saying, there's no way we can go there. They doubted 100%. 
that God would go with them and guide them against those giants. How often do we find ourselves in the same place? Wondering if God's going to be with us. Proverbs 3, 5a. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This word trust in the Hebrew does not refer to how we often use trust as we trust in Jesus. There's a different Hebrew word for that. It doesn't mean believe. It means to entrust yourself. As one person said, it expresses that sense of well-being and security which results from having someone or something in whom to place confidence. It expresses that sense of well-being, of being held and being comforted, of being protected and being secure, of not being alone. I think one of the greatest ways the Lord guides us is that He gives us His presence. He doesn't give us His presence by walking ten feet behind us. Our Lord is our shepherd, and where does a shepherd walk? He walks before his flock. He leads them. You cannot drive sheep. You have to lead them. So he leads his people. As we think about the hard times, the hard decisions, the tough calls that God calls every one of us to, from moment to moment, to day to day, to the big life-changing decisions we make, God will lead us. Because He gives us Himself. Isaiah 43, 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Joshua 1, 5 and verse 9, I will not leave you or forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will will be with you wherever you may go. Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Philippians 4, verse 5, The Lord is at hand. He is near me. Matthew 28, 20, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, we aren't orphans anymore. We're not orphans anymore. We've been adopted into God's family. He is our Papa. He is our King, but He is our Father. And as a good, loving, earthly Father guides His children to the hard decisions of life, so our Father has sent His Son, our Shepherd, who has walked through those times. And He will never leave us. And He will never forsake us. Which is good, because this brings us to our second point of tension, because we need help. I don't know about you, but I feel this all the time. Lord, help me. In fact, this is Lizzie's prayer right now. Every night before we go to bed, she prays for several things. But she always ends with, help me, Jesus. It's such a precious prayer. And it's a prayer that we ought to pray more often and take a little cue from a two-year-old little girl. Help me, Jesus. Why? Because this text continues to tell us, and lean not on your own understanding. We need help. Just like that cane upon which I was leaning. The problem is our cane of understanding is broken. And we need help. Verse 7 sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? Be not wise in your own eyes. How many times can you look back at your life and and remember when you said, I got this thing. (laughs) Only to find out that no, no you don't. Or that you owned your fall. 
you know, you, you owned uh, your disgrace because of what you did. I know I can think of many. Our understanding is limited in many ways. It's limited in scope. Um, for you hunters, you know, when you look out a, a rifle scope, when it's time to go hunting, it, you, when you look through a scope, you're limiting yourself, right? To a rather small field range of vision. You can only see so much. In fact, the vast majority of the field, you have no clue what's going on. If you're not listening, the big, the big buck can walk on and you would have no clue because it's outside your range of vision. This is how our understanding is. There's so much going on in a situation. The vast majority of what is going on in our lives, I'm convinced we don't understand. We don't understand about that much, just a little sliver, about a degree and a half range of vision. So we don't lean on our own understanding. We acknowledge the Lord in all, His, in all our ways. Why? Because He's the one who knows what's going on in the rest of the field from every point of view. Not only are we limited in our ability, in our scope, what we can see, we're also limited in what we can understand. Uh, a few years back, my brother decided he wanted his um, deer hunting gun back. And I'd bartered it for a while. And so I, I went out and bought um, a gun, a, a middle-range uh, hunting rifle. Uh, but I bought it as a package. It's a decent rifle, but a terrible scope. It's just awful. Now, it does the job, and I have no intention of fixing it anytime soon. But do you know when you can tell the difference between a good scope and a bad scope? Either a really long shot, which I'm not going to take, or the last 10 minutes of light. You might be able to look at a blob in the field, but you're not going to know what you're looking at. So oftentimes our understanding is like hunting with a cheap scope right at dusk. You can kind of look at a situation, but you can't figure out what you're looking at. Our understanding is, is limited, not only what we, in, in scope of what we can understand what's going on big picture-wise, but also a lot of times we can look at a situation and just think, man, I have no clue what's going on here. Or we may make the wrong decisions entirely because we misread the situation. But it gets better. Uh, so we're limited in scope. We're limited in, uh, in, in depth, what we can understand. But, but here's the problem. Our scopes are broken. Our scopes are broken. The lenses are broken. And when we look down at decisions, and we look down at the deer in the field, we see little bits and pieces through the broken glass that is in our scope. And we may shoot five feet away or in the next field altogether. Because our understanding is marred by sin. And there are hidden motives in our hearts that I think a lot of times we're not even aware of. When we look at a situation and we think we've got it right, but in fact, we've got it all wrong. It's like when people sin against us according to our understanding. It's okay to sin back against them, right? It, man, it feels good to sin back towards people. To repay evil with evil. That's leaning on our own understanding. But, but Scripture says, 1 Peter 3.9, Do not repay evil for evil. Or when we face tem- fierce temptation, we think it'll just be okay this one time. No one will ever know. That's leaning on our own understanding. But the Scripture says, Luke 12.3, Therefore whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And we think that it's okay just to go with the crowd this one time. Just this one time. That's, that's our own understanding, right? Galatians 6, 7 says, Whatever one sows, that, one, that will he also reap. 
Or perhaps when we think that God can't forgive us for this one sin, we need to be reminded of God's ways. Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are, are we leaning on our own understanding as we look at a situation? Oftentimes there are motives and sinful thoughts at play that we're, we're just completely unaware of. You know, when our, the number of hours we spend at work are deeply affected by our love of money. Or when pride over our children changes the level of activity we allow our families to be part of, even on the Lord's Day. Or when our prejudices against other races changes our views of others. Or when laziness keeps us from studying the Word of God like we ought. There are often hidden motives and hidden sins that we're not even aware of. Our scopes are broken. We should not lean on our own understanding, but instead acknowledge the Lord Verse 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. I love that there's a promise attached to this command. If we acknowledge Him in everything we do, and every decision we make, He will make straight our paths. Now that does not mean that you get a 6, 7, 8, 9 figure salary, and you get a 12,000 square foot home. That might come, I don't know, the Lord might bless you with that. That's not what he's talking about, about making your, your path straight. What he's talking about here is the ethical, narrow road of walking in holiness before him and glorifying him in all that we do. Ultimately, we acknowledge the Lord in all that we do by a relationship with Jesus. We can't acknowledge him if we don't have a relationship with him. If we have not personally asked the Lord to forgive us of our sins and put our faith in him, we cannot look to him for guidance. If he is not our father, if he's not our papa, That's the first step. What does it look like to acknowledge Him in all we do? I think it means to submit to Him. To submit to what He desires for us and not what we want for ourselves. To lean not on our own understanding. This is the flip side. The flip side of leaning not on your own understanding is to acknowledge Him in all your ways. To think about what He would want. And to seek His help. I think God guides us. But a lot of that's contingent on us asking for His help. Asking for His help. And this is what we're told to do, to seek the Lord's guidance in many places. I want to say three places. His Word, His, in, in prayer, and through the saints, through fellow believers in Christ Jesus. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love this imagery, right? As you're thinking about coming out of the woods... Especially if it's a woods that you don't know. You're hunting with someone else. You better pray you have a flashlight. Because it all looks different when the sun goes down. You might get lost. You might get off the path. You might end up in a ditch. You might step in a hole. In the paths of life, we go to places all the time we've never been before. But what do we have to guide our way? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I think so much when we think about guidance, we ought to realize that God has given us a lot of the guidance we already need in His Word. Uh, You know, when we think about um, Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you know, He doesn't tell you about who who to ask and who not to, but He does tell you how to to love on them and how to act towards them. We may not be told in His Word of how to work through relationships that are awkward, but it does tell us that we're to pray for folks, be patient with them, 
The Bible may not tell us how long it's going to take for emotional wounds to heal, but it does tell us that God's the the great comforter. It may not tell us what kind of job to take, but it does tell us the things we can and can't do. The Bible might not tell us what kind of car to buy, but He does set up in His Word our priorities of what's important and what's not. I think the primary way that we can prepare ourselves to receive guidance from the Lord is to spend daily time with Him in His Word. Through years and years and years of of pouring our hearts out in His Word and, and reading and learning about the Lord and His desires and His will and His character, when we come to a situation, we don't have to go and search for what does God say about this. Our, in the words of Spurgeon, our blood will bleed biblene. We will have in us the knowledge to know how to deal with situations as we fulfill James 1.5 in prayer. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we are to seek his guidance in the word and also in prayer. I love this verse because it says that God gives us wisdom. If you don't have it, it's okay. It's not a sin. If you don't know what to do, admit it. It's all right. And then go and ask God for help. And he gives wisdom without reproach, without scolding, without getting mad at you. We have many wonderful teachers, retired and current, in our congregation. And I am reminded of, of one of my great teachers, uh, Mr. Segrist, in seventh grade. He taught me seventh grade algebra. And I was out of school for a whole week uh, with sickness. And uh, we went through a topic, the F of X topic. I can still remember this thing. And I had no clue. I didn't have a clue. They had talked about it. They moved on. There wasn't any more talking about it. So I went to Mr. Segrist time and time again. I'm not talking once or twice here. I'm talking lots of times. I said, Mr. Segrist, I don't understand this. Help me. And you know what? He helped me time and time again. He never got frustrated. He never got flustered, although I sure was. He gave wisdom without reproach. This is how our Savior works. Then we pray to Him, asking desperately, Help me, Lord. Help me. He helps us. Now, as uh, the man who's preaching next week has often said, sometimes God leaves by a floodlight, and sometimes He leads by a pinlight. Sometimes He makes it real clear with a, you know 10,000 lumen candle power. And sometimes He's just got one little LED bulb to give you the next step. That keeps us dependent on Him. I don't like that. But praise God that He does. Because those are the times I'm nearest to the Lord. Well, the third way that we can seek guidance is to seek godly counsel from other people. Psalm, uh, Proverbs rather, 11.44 Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. You know, I love having a multi-generational church here. My last church I was a part of, the oldest person was 55. You know, I made two hospital visits the whole time I was there, and they were for surgeries. Uh, I love having a multi-generational church. Because you better believe that most problems that anyone in our congregation is facing, someone else has probably faced it. There's very little that is unique to our lives only to us As we think about young parents wanting to know how to parent their children, well, I sure wish there was someone here who had parented some kids. Wouldn't it be great if we just asked each other? 
Or, or how do I budget? How do I plan for the future? What, what do I think about retirement? How, what is, how does that work? How do I make job choices? How do I navigate difficult relationships at work? How do I deal with difficult mothers-in-law, fathers-in-law? How do I deal with boundaries with my families? This is what the Lord has given us for. That we would swallow our pride and say, hey, I need help. I need help in God's Word. I need help through prayer. And I need help through His people. That we would ask each other and give advice. Um, So we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So here we get to Jesus. Here we get to Jesus. 1 Corinthians, 1, 1 Corinthians 1.24, the Holy Spirit calls Jesus Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. When we think about wisdom, when we think about doing things the way we want to, we marvel at the way that God has saved sinners like you and me. From the fleshly perspective, it makes no sense that God would pursue ungodly people. That He would pursue those who were His enemies and were sinning against Him daily in thought, word, and deed. But this is the wisdom of God. That He would send His only begotten Son, our Savior, who is God Himself. And who is, according to 1 Corinthians 1, The very wisdom of God. And so here is the personified wisdom of God hanging on the cross with nails through His hands, nails through His feet, and soon a spear wound through His side. Meanwhile, there is encrusted blood on His back, and you can see His ribs from the flogging He has received earlier. But those things pale in comparison when, according to the wisdom of God, the Father would pour out on His Son the wrath that you and I deserve. So that... We might have the forgiveness of our sins in a relationship with Jesus. That He might guide us through death. He might guide us through the valley of the shadow of death into eternal presence with Him in heaven. This is what the wisdom of God looks like. It ultimately looks like Jesus. And one day we get to see Him face to face. May that day come soon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You that You promised to lead us and guide us first and foremost by Your presence, that You are there with us every step of the way and You will never forsake us. I pray for those here who need to hear that, that You would encourage their hearts. Help us all, Lord, to forsake our own understanding, to not lean on it, but instead to entrust ourselves to You, leaning on what You say in Your Word. And we pray for the day when Christ comes back, that it would come soon. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Come soon. Amen. Let's conclude our service as we stand and sing together 461. He leadeth me. Stand and sing.
eternal covenant with you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.